0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca, again coming from Madison Square Garden. I'll have a call with the Rangers and the Avalanche tonight. And and let's start with the Rangers as they pick up their 17th victory in the first 24 games. First time they've ever done that in franchise history. Uh, where they've had that many wins in that short a period of time to start the season. A 6-2 win over the Chicago Blackhawks, and they just continue to find ways to win. Georgiev was great. Special teams have been terrific for the Rangers. They've now killed off 21 consecutive power play opportunities for the opposition. Now have scored power play goals in four straight games, and six of their last seven had two power play goals last night in the win. And the only real negative has been, you know, Mika Zibanejad has not scored a goal in 13 games. That's his longest stretch since January into February of 2017 when he went 15 games without a goal. But he has scored 10 points in that span, so there has been some production and a couple of points last night as the Rangers win. The Blackhawks, on the other hand... Jonathan Taves has not scored so far this season. He opted out last year because of a, just a myriad of injuries, and you wonder if that uh, is a career that's coming to an end. He's still playing on the top line, getting a chance to play with Patrick Kane, but for him to have any goals now and and how many games are we into the season now for Chicago, it's been quite a few, and Chicago right now, as I take a look at the standings, have played 25 games, so scoreless in 25. I don't think he's scored in like the last six of the uh, – Uh, the season before COVID. And you have to go back to, I think, March 5th, the last time he has scored a goal in 2020. So it's been a long time for him. Um... Mark andre Fleury was uh, going to have to sit on 499 for another game as he was unable to get 500. Uh, but Artemi Panarin for the Rangers, 4.9, now 503 points uh, on his career as he picked up uh, career point number 500, fourth fastest to do it of undrafted players in NHL history. And we're talking about guys like Adam Oates, guys like Peter Stasny that have been able to accomplish that. So he has just been absolutely terrific for the Rangers since he got here. And he scores his 500th point where it all started for him when he was number 72 with the Chicago Blackhawks back in the day and then a stop in Columbus and now uh, likely, I would think, spend the rest of his career as a New York Ranger. Uh, Islanders finally end their 11-game losing streak. They beat the Ottawa Senators by the final score of 5-3. to In the process, they're able to snap the three-game winning streak that Ottawa had. This game was tied at 1. Norris scores a power play goal midway through the second period to tie the game up at one, and then Wallstrom picks up uh, his eighth of the season, and then just seconds later... It would be Anders Lee with the second of the game, his sixth of the season, that gave them the 3-1 cushion that they needed to hold on for the 5-3 win. Uh, Canadians are a mess. The Lightning scored two unanswered goals in the third to beat the Canadians 3-2. i, I got to look it up. I, 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 off the top of my head, I will say it's never happened. Maybe it, maybe it happened in the original six era. I guess it's possible. But really, when has there ever been a time where a team goes to the Stanley Cup Final one year and is the worst team in the NHL the next. I've seen teams not make the playoffs after going to the Stanley Cup. I've seen teams not make the playoffs after winning the Stanley Cup. Happened to the Devils after the 95 season. Happened to Carolina after the 06 season. I've seen it happen, but um, I've never seen being the worst team in the league. And right now, Montreal sits as number 31 in a 32-team league. They've got 15 points in 27 games. They've got three points ahead of Arizona, but they've played two more games than Arizona. So Arizona is probably going to finish the worst team in the league. But the fact that uh, Montreal's in the conversation now, we all know last year was kind of again, I don't want to take anything away from them because they did go to the Stanley Cup final. They did beat Toronto. They did beat Winnipeg. They did beat Vegas to go to the final. They did make the playoffs, all the things necessary in a 56 game COVID season, but exclusively playing. In, in a weak canadian division and then catching breaks during the course of the run you know tavares being out for toronto and then shifley taking the suspension in game one again you can't take it away from him but you sure can say that maybe they were not uh, as good as indicated last year and it's been showing here uh through the first 27 games of this season Uh, really, t- Columbus coming back down to earth. They've really struggled here as Toronto gets the 5-4 to win over the Maple Leafs. 40 shots on goal. Matthews with a couple of goals. Predators just continue to cruise. They snap Detroit's five-game winning streak, hold them to just 16 shots on goal as Nashville wins 5-2. to Very quiet, quietly, Nashville going about their business. I'm going to get a chance to call their game here at the Garden coming up on Sunday. But they're in third place in the Central Division, 29 points in 25 games, plus three goal differential. Been very, very good um, so far this season. And even though they've played just 500 hockey in a very open Central, I mean, Minnesota is going to run away and hide in this division. And if you want to say St. Louis can do the same thing. But when you look at the Central Division, who else are you concerned about beyond Nashville, right? Um, because they're third place. Um, Colorado is is on the come, too. Let's not forget about them. they got three games at hand on Nashville. But uh, I think they're just every bit as good as St. Louis. Dallas has won seven consecutive games. They're in the conversation, too, with three games at hand. So to answer my own question, yeah, Nashville's going to have to keep it up because Colorado and Dallas are on their tail. Let's also not forget about Winnipeg as well. Although Winnipeg has been kind of iffy on the road, three six and one in their last ten, but they're still in the conversation, just a point back of Nashville as well, although they've played twenty five games. I'll have a chance to see Colorado tonight. The thing with Colorado is they've averaged over four goals a game. Best in the National Hockey League. They've scored the three most goals in the NHL. The only reason they haven't scored the most is because they've only played 22 games. The problem is is it's been their goaltending. They're given as much as they get. For a team that's averaging over four goals a game to just be a plus 16 goal differential tells you that they give up a lot as well. But Nashville is going to have to stay on their horse there. Uh, Ducks shut out the Sabres 2-0, but the story in this one was the goal of the year and it turned out to be the game winning goal because Buffalo got shut out, and you got to see it. If you haven't seen it on the highlights, definitely check it out. And uh, Zigras back behind the net, lacrosse play flips it over the cage to Sonny Milano, who hammers it home out of midair, bats it into the net for his eighth goal of the year. They had to review to see if it was hit with a high stick. They claimed it wasn't, and it is definitely the goal of the year. Check it out. Blues beat the Panthers four to three. Uh, Panthers continue to give up a lot of goals they did get 40 shots on goal however so a good win for the st louis blues have been struggling to just find somebody uh to play net for them because they've just really struggled to be able to keep guys healthy and lat nice so it was a huso with 34 saves for uh, the victory for st louis there Carolina gets back on track. They double up uh, the Jets by the final score of four to two. Aho again, good for them. His 11th goal of the year um, is one of the highlights in that one. Wild now seven straight wins. They beat a struggling Oilers team by the final score of four to one. So McDavid does get a point on the Pouliot goal, but that comes in the second period after early traveling to uh, trailing two nothing. Talbot gets his. Um, Helps them to the seventh consecutive win as Talbot uh, was good in net for uh, the Wild and I've always been a fan of him going back to his Ranger days and he makes 38 saves for the win so the Wild staking their claim as the best team in the NHL and a wild game in San Jose where the Sharks win 5-3 to three. so slowing down just a little bit the Flames uh, Tomas Hurdle gets his 10th goal of the season so he has now hit double digits Carlson had a big power play goal in this one to get them back into it as they were trailing 3-1 to one. then Couture a power play goal of his own that tied the game up at 3. Hurdle gets his second to take the lead, and then he completes the hat trick with the empty netter as uh, San Jose battling there in the west. So when you take a look at the west, Calgary's still in first place although they've lost a couple of games in a row. Anaheim has played 500 hockey but they're still right there three uh, two points back. Calgary does have a game in hand. Edmonton has lost three in a row, five and five in their last 10. So they slipped to third with 32 points. But San Jose, they played a lot of games, 26. Edmonton still has two games in hand on them, but they're still very much in the conversation as they're three points back of Edmonton for that third spot. And when you take a look at the Wild Card for San Jose. They've got the first wild card, one point ahead of Colorado, but four more games played than Colorado. So the Avalanche are eventually going to start making a move here. Um, so San Jose has to be careful as far as the wild card, but San Jose can eyeball uh, the possibility of catching Edmonton. That's really struggling now, as you know, Drysital on a little bit of uh, uh, listen. he's calmed down. He had to because of all the points that he was scoring, just just incredible. And McDavid's been really good too, but you know, just uh, slowed down just a tad. And that's been a problem now for Edmonton with their three consecutive losses. And in that division, that could be killer because there's so many good teams in the Pacific. So just four games tonight. I mentioned at 7 o'clock, the Avalanche here in town to take on the Rangers while the Devils play host to the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers, of course, a mess. Elaine Vigneault fired. Mike Yo uh, loses his first game against Colorado back on Monday. Boston is Vancouver to take on Bruce Boudreaux and the Canucks. And then at 10 o'clock, the TNT game will be the Vegas Golden Knights take on the Dallas Stars as Dallas looking for their eighth consecutive win. All right, let's dive into uh, your tweets. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is the way to go here. So let's start it out with Chris, who says, it's been reported the Flyer CEO Dave Scott of Comcast strongly urges – Chuck Fletcher, to fire A.V. If that is the case, should Fletcher be worried about his job and does Scott's meddling place an even greater importance on the hiring of the next coach? Well, here's how I look at it from the Scott perspective. The only thing that was really keeping A.V. employed was the con- the length of the contract. So if the bosses are willing to eat the money, then Fletcher's got no problem, right? So I think that's really all it is, is that there probably was a sense that with so much many years left in the contract and so much money that we've got to ride this out because we don't want to eat it. Well, if the CEO tells you that it's okay, then I, I wouldn't worry too much about Fletcher's job. But, you know, they're a mess, Uh, Is it going to be Yo? Is it going to be Tocket? We'll see. But they've got to correct it. They've got far too much talent for this team to be as bad as they've been so far this year. Fabio says, would you rather have Kako or Zegres Uh, from the 2019 vancouver draft it's a great question i mean obviously right now um zegris has done a great job at anaheim but kako's starting to come into his own here so listen you don't make conclusions two three years into a career especially when things have been chopped up by covid the way they have so we're going to revisit this many times before but kako is starting to come into his own here he's playing on a top line and he may not be in the groove scoring goals but uh, i like his play certainly i see him a lot more than i see zegris and Uh, He's a local kid from New York, and so is Sonny Milano on that combination for the goal. That's pretty proud if you're from the tri-state area. But let's uh, let's let that uh, burn a while before we jump to any kind of conclusions. Uh, Tony says, with the NHL taking the Olympic break in February, can you see teams delaying on making any sort of moves to bring back injured players till after the break to extend time off? Or do they, they think they want to be back sooner for chemistry reasons? Well, I think you make moves because you just don't want things to get out of hand. So you got to make them as quickly as you can. So I don't think you really can afford to hit the break. Uh, and chemistry be damned. I mean, if you feel like you've got to make a deal, make a deal sooner than later. Because there's not going to be a ton of games left after the break. And also... You know, I don't know what the line of demarcation is. We can talk to EJ on Monday about this when they are uh, at a point of no return to go to the Olympics. You know, with COVID still in the air, with games being postponed, the NHL could still pull out. Now, I don't know what the date is where they reach the point of no return, but don't all of a sudden just count on that Olympic break because crazier things have happened, especially during COVID. Let's go to Sam Diaz. He says, last year, if a Ranger player made a mistake, he would see limited time on ice the rest of the game, then be a scratch the next game. Gallant lets his players play and uses all four lines correctly. To me, the coaching is a bigger factor to their success so far than the roster. It's a great point, Sam. Watching the game last night, calling it, nobody's out of position. Everybody's putting themselves in the right place. And again, I don't want to pick on David Quinn. I didn't think he deserved to get fired. I thought the team played well. Um, with the limited uh, problems, with the problems they had and the limitations they had with the roster. Um, Health was a major concern for David, especially last year. But God, they just look like they're in the right place all the time. And I I think power play and penalty kill is largely coaching. So when I see that playing well, I always give credit to the coaches for that. But looking at how they position themselves for block shots, how they move the puck, every pass has a purpose. A lot of that has to do with coaching. Richard says, "Hey Don, how important is Jacob Truba to a deep run this year? There's been criticism of his contract, but he's looking pretty good right now. Well, so is Miller. So when you look at the the, the defensive pairings, and EJ's talked about this a lot too. You build up the middle in the NHL. Centers Defenseman, goaltender. And you look at their defense right now, and you know how good Lindgren and Fox is. And now Truba, who's really coming into his own, playing some tremendous hockey. Miller also growing into a really good player. You've got two legitimate pairs. And for a third pair of Nemeth, who does a ton of block shots, and Lundquist, who's looked like he's coming into his own, you're set and Truba's a major reason for that, and he may end up being the captain. I think it could be Kreider, but Truba has played well. He's played well on the power play. You can put him in any kind of position. That was a big hit on Jujar Kara last night, and I feel bad for him, Uh, but that was a legal hit to the chest, uh, and he was fishing for the puck between his legs, looked down, and it was a vicious hit, but a clean one, and you saw by the way the crowd reacted and the way the Blackhawks reacted. I think everybody just felt bad for Kara and the position he put himself in, but it just shows you how physical Truba can be and just a uh, just a heck of a player uh yankee and penguin says hey don in honor of this ridiculous mlb lockout what are some of your memories from the 2012 nhl lockout that delayed the season until january of 2013 god i've got more memories of the the cancellation of the season but uh you know my memories of that was just how well uh teams had to kind of get back into those 48 games, and and as much as the lockout stunk, and I remember this going back to the um, the 94-95 season as well, that it was kind of a sprint to the finish line, and those 48 games, every game was just so important, because you couldn't throw any games away, and the schedule was limited, so you only played in the East, so it wasn't quite like last year, where you're only playing seven teams, but you kind of played the same 14 teams, so that was a little redundant, but a little better than last year, but my memories were just of the fact that every game was just so important, and because of the lockout, I only got to call three games, but I remember a great game Nash had against Tampa. Those are some of the things that kind of jump into my head. Troy says, hey, Don, I recorded the standings on Thanksgiving, then again on December 1st, and so Very little change in the East, but the West had changes in four of the eight playoff spots. How competitive should the West be for the rest of the season? Exceptionally competitive. And the reason I say that, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, is that you got that slow start from Colorado. You know Colorado's going to make a run. So that certainly changes things, right? Um you know Vegas is going to play better and that's certainly going to change things. So you take two major teams that I think can really compete for a championship in Colorado and Vegas who are on the outside looking in knowing they were going to make a run. Now you knew Anaheim was going to slow down, Edmonton was going to slow down, Calgary too a little bit. So when you saw how top heavy the West was with Calgary, Anaheim and Edmonton, you knew those teams were going to slow down a bit. Dallas is always kind of Jekyll and Hyde. But when you take a look at the top and see surprises, when you look at the bottom and see surprises like you saw in the West, then Cleveland Clearly, there was going to be some changes, and maybe this will be a year where they kind of bucked that trend of not being in the playoffs at Thanksgiving and being a death knell in the National Hockey League. All right, so this was a lot of fun. Friday, uh, I will have another podcast. We will have the top five of the week and all that. Want to get in touch with me at Donald McGregor hashtag Game Misconduct. So it was fun. Enjoy the games tonight. Enjoy um, the games coming up on Thursday as well. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.